Hey everybody, it's Greg. Welcome to the PGI Podcast, where we discuss an industry full of opportunity for people like you and me. In today's episode, we will discuss Power Generation Institute, also known as PGI, who we are, what we do, why we do it, and a little more about the podcast. Let's get started. Power Generation Institute, or PGI, is designed as a recruiting and training company focused on introducing people to our industry and providing a pathway to a meaningful career through training. The company began in September 2013 while attending a conference in Seattle, Washington. One of the features of that conference was a roundtable discussion where five of the most influential people representing five powerful companies within our industry offered their views on a variety of topics. Each presenter had many unique offerings, but interestingly, a common theme developed among the speakers. Two common themes, actually. One theme was, the industry is poised for growth for the foreseeable future. The second theme, which immediately began to reshape my thinking, was, at our current business volumes, there is a defined shortage of technicians within the industry. Having heard this, I looked around the room, observing hundreds of fully engaged industry professionals, and it occurred to me, actually, it hit me like a ton of bricks, that no one is going to do anything about it, it being the shortage of technicians. From there, I grabbed the hotel notepad and began to describe the original business plan for PGI. Many years later, with many revisions to the plan, the need for technicians remains great. I was wrong that day, though. Many have actually tried to do something, providing training classes, employing internal company recruiters, developing recruiters specifically focused on this industry, offering incentives to bring people into companies, and much more. Some of these efforts and techniques will be discussed and highlighted on this podcast, not necessarily today, but in future episodes. Yet with all that effort and the enormous amount of money spent, the need for technicians remains strong today. So what about PGI? What are we doing to address the need? Well, we're different. We have a different makeup and a different approach. As an organization, we are a for-profit business. The company is made up of industry professionals who have grown up within the industry and have benefited from the vast array of experiences the industry offers. Further, we have been blessed to have met hundreds and hundreds of industry people, many of whom we call friends. We are a part of the fabric of the power generation industry. We are business people. We are entrepreneurs. We vary in our technical background from master technician to knowledge by association. The industry embodies our livelihood, our careers, and our passion. With that, let's talk a little more about what we do. In the opening segment, I mentioned that we are a recruiting and training company. That is, in fact, what we do. We recruit and we train. Pretty simple, right? More specifically, our focus is on recruiting and training field service technicians, the single greatest need within the industry. As a function of these activities, we also become a mouthpiece for the industry as we go about telling to all who will listen the magnificent story of power generation 
a story previously kept unintentionally secret, but a story so worth sharing. We also find ourselves playing the match game, a pseudo-placement company, as we learn about company needs and align them with the goals and passions of individuals. Our recruiting effort is designed to bring new people into the industry. We made a conscious decision not to rob from one company and reassign them to another company, which merely creates the false illusion of progress. The new people we recruit typically fall into two categories, people looking for a career pathway and the underemployed. Those people looking for a career pathway come from a broad pool. They could be high schoolers or maybe products of the community college system. They may have gone through technical schools. In fact, they may have a four-year degree. But what they all desire is direction and to be part of something they can contribute to while making a difference. The underemployed are those we define as members of some blue-collar vocation who have spent several years within their craft only to realize there must be a better way to make a living. They have either peaked in income potential or in passion for their job. Our focus is to introduce members of both of these groups to the wide world of opportunity within PowerGen. A little sidebar. We've also found that many of our students are currently employed by companies within our industry. They may be disguised as warehouse personnel, parts people, dispatchers, or some other role, but they have a desire to grow and advance. Be sure to look around as you may be looking at your next tech. How do we do it? Our training goals are quite simple. Produce revenue-ready field service technicians day one of their employment revenue ready for their employer and for themselves. To support that, we have developed an intense training curriculum that focuses on delivering knowledge in three segments. Those three segments are self-study, classroom or lab, and in-field training. Yes, we actually train our students on live customer-owned equipment in the field. We'll talk more about that later. As mentioned, our training is designed to produce revenue-ready technicians day one. But ready for what? To answer that, let's look at the industry just a bit. At least a few quick data points. Data point number one. 80% of the generators sold in our industry are 200 kW and below. Data point number two. 80% of the work we perform is planned and predictive maintenance, component changes, and light diagnostics. PGI technician graduates are prepared to begin their career day one square in the center of these two data points. That is, they are pro proficient at conducting level one and level two maintenance services on single unit installations up to 200 kW. They are also capable of performing resistive load bank tests as well as diagnosing the basic functions of the engine, specifically the starting and cooling systems. Even though our curriculum could easily be modified for specific brands or models, it is generic by design. Our job is to teach them the governing principles of power generation and then entrust them to their employer who will invest in them, thus developing brand and market specialist. Another way we ensure revenue-ready technicians is we start with our curriculum, which was developed by us, industry professionals and we deliver the curriculum utilizing industry professionals as trainers. 
people that know and understand the industry, committed to invest in those interested in joining the industry. I mentioned an intense training curriculum, so let me explain the logic behind the intensity. First of all, the industry is intense, and employers have high expectations of their technical staff. The techs are often the face of the company in the eyes of the customer. Second, we work with electricity, with electricity powered by voltages that give intensity a whole new meaning. Techs have to be prepared. Third, we are intense and driven. We are very focused on the success of the technician and the employer they join. Fourth, there's a lot to learn and we have a finite amount of time to fully prepare our students for launching their successful career. We have an abbreviated opportunity to determine the student's likelihood of becoming a graduate and an impactful, positive, and safe employee for their future employer. And finally, our program is intense because we want our graduates to excel, not just complete the training course. Ultimately, the graduates represent PGI, our employees, and the industry as a whole. We want them to represent well. Our three-segment approach of delivering the curriculum is designed to trigger and support a variety of learning styles, but also to expose each student to the whole industry, not merely the technical attributes. Each segment builds on the previous segment, reinforcing the knowledge necessary to achieve long-term success. Our three-stage approach also generates student engagement, which further allows us to gauge the student's progress and reveal areas requiring reinforcement. Through the three-segment model, we are able to expose the industry as the students will experience it. You see, being a technician is much more than being able to diagnose and fix something. In fact, most techs only spend a small portion of their day in the repair process. A well-rounded technician also has to possess the ability to represent the company in front of the customer. In many cases, the techs become the best salesperson for the company. They also have to be proficient at safety, be highly organized. They also have to possess an unofficial degree in inventory management, dominate the job site, with grace of course, and have a built-in GPS. Well, there's more, but you get the point. Our training addresses the needs of a successful technician by teaching the soft skills all the way through beginning diagnostics. These thoughts bring up a question. If a training program did not expose the student to these varied aspects of their future career, how could they be a graduate, let alone revenue ready day one? That was rhetorical, just something to think about if you're going to a training program or if you're hiring a graduate. Back to the point. And of course, a well-equipped technician who is revenue ready day one, well, they need to have been on a job site, interacting with a real customer, seeing the manifestation of the work order, experiencing a part moving from truck inventory to a work order, and how it is ultimately installed on the machine. They must experience preparing their truck and their tools for the day. And what about the communication with the customer, communication with the office, communication with the equipment manufacturer? Communication with fellow techs. Where's the best place to learn and experience that? I'll give you a hint. Think job site. And when you hire them and assign them a service vehicle worth $100,000, 
What do you want from them? Performance, safety, preparedness, and dare I say, revenue? Day one, day two, day three, and every day thereafter. Our three-segment approach starts with a self-study where we introduce students to the industry, then expose them to the soft skills required for their success. From there, the classroom or lab builds on that information and introduces them to the components and theories of power generation. Then, the field exercises, the pinnacle of their training, which builds on those two segments and brings the industry to life. It brings the job to life and begins to illuminate for each student their pathway to success. The field segment can also be a pruning tool. You see, not all who enter the training program graduate as field service technicians. The field exercises may well reveal those who will become parts personnel, dispatchers, project coordinators, or some other needed role within the industry. Regardless of harvest or redirection, the value of the field service segment becomes abundantly clear. Just to touch on recruiting a bit, it is a vital component in our structure and our success. The driver behind our recruiting strategy comes from a fundamental decision to provide our training in local communities. We do not have a bricks and mortar single location model. Rather, we recruit within an area and we then ultimately provide the training within that same area. It became clear that we need to recruit and train within the communities where people desire to live and work. Said a different way, we recruit students where they are and we bring them training to them. Why do we do it? This is easily my favorite part about PGI. It's the why. As a sidebar, Simon Sinek, or as some pronounce it, Sinek, wrote a book titled, Start With Why. I would recommend and encourage that book as a must-read. I would also say that knowing your why is vital to your choices and intensifying your joy and satisfaction. Back to PGI. Our why has some obvious answers, such as, the industry has a great need, and where need and solution meet, there can be great rewards for those involved. Those rewards can be monetary in nature, or they can be more significant than that. Speaking of reward, we are a for-profit company, so the industry need could manifest itself into income, another potential why. Is there a why beyond the obvious? You bet there is. Solomon says, there is a time for everything under the sun, and PGI embodies the reality that it's our time, our time to give back, to give back to an industry that has been so good to so many of us, to give back to the next generation of industry professionals. Beyond that, by giving back, we honor those who have invested in us along the way, and we dramatically increase the likelihood we will leave the industry better than we found it. I am convinced that much of our career and life success can be directly correlated to the many men and women who nurtured us and endured our nonsense along the way as we progressed down the path to knowledge. In my case, there were many. In fact, there are still many who contribute to what success I might enjoy. In preparing to script this episode of the podcast, I began to reflect on a few people that fit this category. My purpose in sharing them here is to honor each of them, 
to restate the importance of giving back and hopefully inspire you to reflect on those that have invested in you. My first job in the industry was a shipping and receiving clerk at Cummins, Florida, 2060 West 21st Street, Jacksonville, Florida. The shipping and receiving role fell under the parts department's organizational chart. At that time, the company employed a corporate trainer, Claude Flynn, who provided all forms of training and career assessments for all of the employees. After taking one of the tests offered by Mr. Flynn, he and I were reviewing the results together. In a very fatherly and gentle way, Mr. Flynn encouraged me to consider another career. Seems my aptitude and the role I desired were a bit of a mismatch. It was his gentle candidness that drove me to learn more and to become better. In the words of Dave Ramsey, to be unclear is to be unkind. Mr. Flynn was very kind. Further into my career, I was going through a battery of tests for a leadership role at TAW Power Systems, 440 South 78th Street, Tampa, Florida. In reviewing the test results, the doctor stated, I hope you're not applying for a sales job because you scored the lowest of anyone I've ever tested. Those comments would not have been so bad if this doctor was fresh out of college, but this flipping guy had to have been 80 years old and have tested thousands of people. It was also devastating as I fundamentally believe all of life involves selling. You're always selling something to someone. Your spouse, your boss, your children, the checkout clerk. It's constant. It took me a long time to get over that comment, and on certain days, I don't think I have. However, his honesty caused me to really stop and consider sales, whether I could sell, and what I needed to learn to have some level of success in the sales process. Speaking of selling, one day a long-standing customer called me and asked if I would join him in developing his company's sales division. Clearly, he was unaware of the test results. Having not ever been in an official sales role, I was concerned. Concerned for me and for him. In spite of that, Dudley Hargrove, owner of CJ's Power Systems, 132 Northeast 17th Place, Ocala, Florida, offered me a job. The idea was I would start by selling used equipment, so we established a base salary with a heavy emphasis on commission. The first sale happened to be to a gentleman who came in from offshore toting a briefcase full of cash. Yes, that actually happens in real life. This guy buys a generator and hands me a huge stack of $100 bills. I proceeded to count the money twice in front of him and then head to Dudley's office. I counted the hundreds one more time for Dudley. Having arrived at the same value all three times, I left Dudley to complete the logistics with the customer. When I came back in, Dudley said, Here, let me give you your portion. And he began, began counting from this stack of hundreds. Two for me, one for you. Two for me, one for you. Until he got to the bottom of the stack. In that moment, I realized that sales can be very rewarding, and cash is a beautiful thing. Our sales continued to grow, and Dudley trusted me. He had to tweak me several times along the way, of course, but he trusted me to negotiate some really big and important projects. His trust empowered me to strive towards success with a new level of confidence. As a sidebar, those used equipment sales also gave birth to JRS Custom Fabrication, a company I owned for a number of years. You see, customers would come in to purchase used equipment, 
and they would want a fuel tank option to go with the generator. It became obvious that we could dramatically increase our sales if we could provide a tank option. The existing market options were really limited, so voila, JRS was born. The moral of the story is opportunity begets opportunity. Each of these events and the people associated with them were significant in my growth, but the one I reflect on the most is a man named Dick Stoller, Mr. Stoller to me. Mr. Stoller purchased Cummins, Florida in the late 70s and renamed it Cummins Southeastern Power. And yes, the 70s really did occur in our historical timeline. While I was still in the parts department then, my story really begins when I was given the opportunity to act as branch manager for the startup operation in Fort Myers, 2671 East Edison Avenue, Fort Myers, Florida, to be exact. I say act as branch manager as there were only me and a service tech who handled field repairs. We were a satellite operation of the mothership based in Tampa. Anyway, the branch grew, we added personnel, we developed shop-based service, we added a sales team, we became a fully functioning branch, small, but a replica of our larger facilities. Being prone to push the envelope, it wasn't uncommon for someone at the corporate office to offer a mild reprimand for my choices, but never Mr. Stoller. I knew the day would come, though, as I had effectively irritated most of the high-ranking staff that reported to him. Still, no call from Mr. Stoller. One day, one of my heroes in the company passed away, and those of us in the company had the unfortunate honor of coming together to celebrate his life. Paul Picciarello, who was a VP-level executive leader at Cummins, died way too young. He was 49. In the aftermath of Paul's funeral, while we were all still gathered, Mr. Stoller sought me out. He was compassionate towards me and knew that I had loved Paul. He asked about me with a genuine concern, and we shared and mourned together for a bit. Nearing the end of our conversation, Mr. Stoller asked me, Do you need anything? Is there anything I can do for you? I did need something. I needed to know why he never called, why his army of support leaders called and redirected me. But he never called. He must have known. So I gave him the backstory filled with my confusion and amazement and stated, I kept waiting on your call. Mr. Stoller replied, Did I call? In that moment, in the simplicities of his words, bubbled up life-changing support for me. You see, Mr. Stoller, a man I had and have unbridled respect for, said to me, I believe in you. I support you. You are free to be who you are. What a moment. Great for me. Problematic for the corporate boys. In that moment, Mr. Stoller validated my work, my worth, my career. In spite of my flaws, in spite of the fact that I pressed hard against the boundaries, in spite of the fact that there was still so much for me to learn and master, Mr. Stoller believed in me, and that was all I needed to believe in myself. It is that experience that has driven me to see good in others, to believe in others, to invest in others when they can't see the greatness and the potential within themselves. It is the investment of Mr. Stoller that drives my why. It is my desire that his legacy and the gift he gave me lives on, and it is my desire to invest in the next generation of power generation professionals. They deserve the investment, and Mr. Stoller's legend deserves to grow.
Thus, the podcast, a proven way to reach many people within the industry, but also a proven way to reach those who are yet to discover the industry and their future. The podcast is another tool to share the industry's message, another tool to validate the importance of blue-collar work and the blue-collar worker, a tool to reinvigorate a segment of our population that are meant to serve by utilizing their hands to shape what their mind so clearly sees. There is integrity in work, and the podcast helps facilitate that messaging. So join me, won't you, as we journey into the industry and begin to unfold the untold number of opportunities. Join me as we empower people to join and thrive within our industry. Future episodes will focus on an interview-style format where I welcome industry professionals to share their experiences and offer their insights surrounding power generation. Stay tuned for more episodes in the upcoming weeks. In the meantime, do me a favor, please. Share the podcast with others. In fact, invite someone to listen with you. Join me in spreading the good the industry has to offer. That's all for today, and as always, thanks for joining me to discuss our industry and the immense opportunities available to each of us. And until we meet again, may God be with you and bless you. May you see your children and your children's children. May you be poor in misfortune and rich in blessings. May you know nothing but love and happiness from this day forward. For more information, please join us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and on our website at www.ourgenerationinstitute.com. Thank you.